In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. Hello and welcome to Here's Where It Went Wrong, the podcast where every week we have on one of our favorite comedians to talk about one of their favorite things in pop culture, history, and sports, and we trace its origins to figure out where it went completely off the rails. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Andrew Nadeau. Andrew, how you doing, buddy? It's been a week. Quick word that I promised uh, everyone it'll just be a funny podcast because I think we could all use that right now. My father, Rich Nadeau, died unexpectedly of a heart attack last week. He was a great father in a lot of ways, but one of the most important was that he always believed in me, even in this rather risky career. He took me to my first comedy club when I was 15. He realized I was meant to do this and not medicine before I did and actually encouraged me to pursue it. I can't imagine he ever listened to a podcast before we made one, but he listened to ours. So Pop, wherever you are, I love you. I miss you. Most importantly, thank you, because I don't believe I'd have any of this without you. Yeah, really sorry for your loss there, Andrew. Uh, he Just knowing how great you are, he did an amazing job. Thank you very much. I'm glad. I know you got to meet him once when he, he flew up to see Spitfire. I wish you could say this episode is, is for you. It's, it's, you know, in honor of my father. Like we cover your two favorite subjects, like inaccurate depictions of pirates in movies and anti-Semitic theme parks. <laughs> <laughs> This is the hardest I've ever okay. seen one laugh. <laughs> his, he laughed so hard, his mic actually cut out, and I could wa- see this on video. But no, he, he was actually a big fan of history. When I was talking about sports, too, which I was not super into, but he was a big Red Sox fan, and we dunk on them regularly. So I think we got it covered. We'll do a, an episode for him later, but today we had a great one planned that I thought we should go with. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so today we are going to get into, and also I just want to uh, step back. Yes, I remember the the Spitfire show, and I just remember uh, the whole the whole crowd, and that was one of those ones where we were just like oh we're we're doing a real right yeah (laughs) that was great was was it anti-semitic theme parks that got you was was that it (laughs) yes how is that not the line that was going to get me all right i think i think that's our title (laughs) (laughs) so we are joined today by a cast member of the quest we can do as well as a writer and performer for make it up media she uh, was one of the people that I actually, I have worked for her in the past. Uh, I'm a huge fan of hers. The ever funny Maggie Smith. Maggie, how are you? Hello. Am I supposed to do a joke now? <laughs> uh, whatever you want. Jokes. Uh, if you also have an in memoriam that you want to break out, you know, whatever you want to do. I'll just, I'll just stick to the jokes today. And honestly, if, if I have the option, I would love to dive more into that anti-Semitic theme park. Just really tear it apart. We've got a lot there oh yeah we're ready yeah (laughs) we're gonna do our part we're going to be banned from this place (laughs) by the time this episode comes out i really hope not because i just moved closer to it and that's one of the reasons i moved to california (laughs) (laughs) so in case you haven't guessed today we are diving into not just disneyland but specifically the pirates of the caribbean ride Mm. and films Mm. so just just by show of stories who here has been to Disneyland, Disney World? Who has ridden this ride? Both Disneyland a bit, Disney World. I have ridden it. I've done Disney World when I was a kid. I cannot remember if I've been on this. I can't imagine I, I skipped it because it's the one ride where you just sit still for 15 minutes and your parents don't have to do anything. So I feel like that's <laughs> the one that my parents would have definitely taken me on, but I don't really remember it. Yeah, wow. your parents definitely took you to the air-conditioned right. ride. It's like 15 minutes of just sitting. <laughs> That and It's a Small World, just back and forth, just walk across the park to the two rides. Right. And when, what about you? Have you been on it? Uh, yes. Uh, I'm not fancy like Maggie here. I haven't done both. <laughs> coasts, oh, you have like to try. You have to try it, dear. <laughs> but I but I have done the Disney World one. And I, I love, I absolutely love this ride. Oh, yeah. This was the last ride 
that Walt Disney actually worked on before he died. In like the 1950s, for some reason, like Walt Disney was a guy who would like wake up in the middle of the night with an idea and like jot it down on a piece of paper. And then for the rest of like the decade, everyone had to like abide by whatever he wrote on that piece of paper. Like one night he just woke up and wrote Pirates and was just like, that's the new ride, guys. And that that's it. When you start looking at the history, Walt Disney was what I can only describe as horny for Pirates. <laughs> And you know what his lasting legacy is? Is he made us all horny for pirates. <laughs> he did. He went, he went all in on this so hard. It's a decade of this. 1961, Mark Davis, who's a Disney animator with Snow White, began the initial concepts for what's going to become their most famous and most popular attraction, the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. It's another seven years before it gets finished, but he wants to create a new expansion past Adventureland, a New Orleans attraction, which he sets in the 1850s, which again, I feel like it just wants pirates and this is a way to do it. I'm sure he liked New Orleans too, but it's it's the pirates. And just like a little fun fact, he paid more for that New Orleans expansion than America paid for New Orleans. Yes, I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> it was like way more. It's like 50 times more. Like, yeah, I know inflation and everything, but it's really funny that Walt Disney spent more money on fake New Orleans than America spent on actual New Orleans. <laughs> I mean, Louisiana Purchase is easily America's best deal. Am I right, folks? Oh, yeah. Even with the inflation, it's not far off. I mean, relative to what it is, by the way, because so much of the Louisiana Purchase is what we covered in the last episode. It's dead space in the middle of America where there's nothing there. So they they basically said, look, if you want to buy New Orleans, you have to take this half of America. (laughs) And we're like, okay, I guess we'll give you a million dollars for it. And then Disney decides to make this his entire thing. He's going to spend the same amount of money to uh, recreate a fake version of this one city. And then he's just like, his brilliant idea is, I want to have a pirate museum, like a pirate wax museum, that everyone walks through. The end. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That was the initial idea. It was, yeah, supposed to just be like, still Madame Tussauds, but they're pirates. This is going to be taking place underground. You've got the city above, and then you've got the walkthrough underneath. This is the seedy underbelly. He wants to make it as literal as possible. But they come up with these developments in audio animatronic technology. By the way, when Wen and I started this podcast, neither of us knew how to edit. Our first five episodes, if we made a mistake, we had to start over. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. We did these straight through. Those were one hour one take episodes. So <laughs> these these audio animatronics basically prevented that. They could adjust volume on this on the fly. They could have tracks saved and cut and paste and apply it to different robots. It allowed them to build this brand new advanced technology, technology that has now been around for 50 years when I went and I thought, let's just not make any mistakes ever. <laughs> and stay <laughs> that route. And to this day, we haven't <laughs> once. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And I'm pretty sure the robots are slated to star in the next Pirates of the Caribbean movie. So that's kind of just the advanced in technology. I mean, that's how you avoid COVID is you just yeah. have a robot cast. <laughs> but wait, did we just come up with like a million dollar idea for Hollywood? I mean, yeah, I would watch that. <laughs> cowboy robots. Look, I was so invested in the cowboy robot show and then I found out that was bad. <laughs> Are you talking about Westworld? Yes, of course I'm talking about Westworld. I watched a few episodes and I was like, ugh, I don't care about any of these people. How is a show about robot cowboys fucking and fighting each other the most boring <laughs> thing I've ever watched in television? You know why? Because they they don't take a second. They just need to take a second and be like, here's someone who you're supposed to care about. I'm just like, who's that guy? He's got glasses. He's like, dial it back, whatever. I don't know. That show has like a piano, like an old timey piano cover of Runaway by Kanye West. And I'm like, how is this Mm. not the most fun I've ever had watching a TV show? There's like Heart Shaped Box, beautiful cover from that show. It's like, this should be, this should be a banger. This should be a banger. So basically these animatronics come along. They have the robot Lincoln in the Hall of Presidents. And pretty much it expands everything that Disney ever imagined for his parks. It was the Lincoln who's able to stand up and deliver a speech mixed with the tiki birds, the most annoying birds in all of the world of just the, the robot tiki hut. And like racist. So I'm pretty offensive. sure that isn't oh, yeah. very racist. It's like a super white guy doing a Mexican accent. Like a speedy Gonzalez 
accent, yeah. but it's made more real because you know Speedy Gonzalez can't talk. You think the parrot could actually be this racist. It's, yeah. it's possible. <laughs> Originally, they were just going to put a bunch of birds in a room mm. with a racist and just like <laughs> just watch what, what they learn. Absorb, yeah. watch, learn. All right, birds, get back over here. Oh, a pretty woman's walking by. What are you going to say to her? Oh, <laughs> it whistled. <laughs> it whistled. It's learning. But this was the kind of technology that they were able to kind of up their game. Instead of wax figurines, they could have these robots. And then what else did they have that was popular around this time? It's a small world ride, a dark ride that you just sit on a boat. They have these pumps pushing your boat along the track. It was one of their most popular rides. So they figured a giant attraction, you're in the dark, you're in the cool water, and they were going to have these robot pirates and it was going to be amazing also i just i just love so much that there is a genre of rides called dark rides yeah. <laughs> that kind of ride is called a dark ride which just feels like a demon is supposed to come out at you at the end and be like you've ridden the dark ride <laughs> <laughs> it's right surprisingly mild for the name yeah that's true they're really going to base this on real pirates and then they find out that real pirates suck. Yeah, they all died of STDs. Exactly. They were murderers and robbers and they really thought it was going to be like the movies where it's like, well, no, they made that up because it's movies. These were, you know, hired killers. Like you said, Walt was horny for pirates and he was just like, this is going to be so accurate. And they're like, are you going to mention the rapes? And he's going to be like, kinda. (laughs) (laughs) The thing is, yeah, that's not the part that they cut out. That's not the part they cut out. There's like a legitimately a woman being like, no, no, in the ride. If you go through the ride when it opened, there's a whole scene where they're like selling women and like chasing them while they're trying to get away. Oh, for sure. When we get to the movies, we can talk all about the rape culture of the Pirates of the Caribbean films. One thing that, because they obviously the new movies came out and they, they did update over the years with the advancement of political correctness, but they, there is a scene where they're, they're actually auctioning off women mm. and chasing them around. And they change this scene, and instead of getting rid of it, they just make it so the pirates are literally hungry. So now they're being chased for food instead mm-hmm. of sex. This is the only change mm-hmm. they make to it. Yeah, they just like put food in the women's hands, and they're like they're chasing them for the food, as you can see. Because they cook yeah. and they're sluts. <laughs> <laughs> Women can be both. I'm going to be honest. I did not notice the food part. I thought this was cannibalism. (laughs) And I thought, Mm. I am amazed Mm. that I thought this was like, oh, I guess this is like too weird a fetish for it to be offensive. Like we didn't, we didn't know this was a thing. I guess it's not bad. Rewind, Andrew, are you telling me? That you thought that they changed it to the Hungry Lines without noticing that the food was added to the women robots. So you thought it was just like a guy chasing a woman threatening to eat her, which wink. Uh, That is, yeah, 100. Mm -hmm. Look, I watched the video on this. Again, I haven't been on the ride. I watched the tape. I saw them chasing him around. I saw the adjustments where they made them look hungry and, you know, looking for food. And then I saw the women. I thought, oh, they're going to eat the women. End of thought process. (laughs) Pirates are crazy. Yeah. This did not feel too off-brand to me. This was acceptable. There is a cannibal scene in the second Pirates of the Caribbean film. Right. A big old We'll We'll get to the second Pirates of the Caribbean. We're still talking about the ride. Stop (laughs) trying to get ahead of yourself. So look, here's my favorite ride part then. They hire these mannequin makers to build the actual animatronics and they cannot get them to stop making the animatronics with dicks. (laughs) They can't do it. And the woman that's hired to make the clothes, Alice Davis. Just let me put, just let me put it on. I just. uh. They're not even going to see it. I want to know it's there. I just, it makes me feel better. That, that was exactly like they thought their job was making mannequins. We got to make it so the clothes fit. She's like, cool, but I got to put the clothes on them. They're bolted to stuff. I already have to fit this around. They don't fit well with the clothes when there's a dick because we can't have kids seeing the dick. And they're like, fuck you, putting on the dick. <laughs> putting on the dicks, a beautiful remake of putting on the Ritz. Putting on the dicks. <laughs> Look, you can't fault them for being uncompromising with their (laughs) art. I agree with Wen. I'm sorry. I agree (laughs) with Wen. Alice, live your best life, honey. I hope you'll have a closet full of animatronic dicks right now. Like, she did not want to back down from this. She was just like, look, Mm -mm. no, you, you hired me. 
okay? You came to me. Well, no, Alice Alice was the one trying to stop it because she was like higher oh. up and Alice was saying, I've got to fit the clothes around the dicks. And these mannequin makers that, <laughs> oh. that are like one-timers they brought in are like, that. look, I make mannequins. My mannequins got dicks. You deal with it. This took a turn. See, I thought Alice was empowered because she wanted the dicks, but it turns out that she was getting unwarranted dicks all slapped onto these animatronics. And now I feel for her. I would have absolutely been on Alice's side. If, if Alice was the one that wanted the dicks, it's like, yeah, go, go, Alice. We believe in you. I love that they were so well endowed that she's like, the clothes don't fit anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Alice, We said Alice, Walt Disney Alice. was horny for pirates. Whoever was making the animatronics <laughs> was super horny for pirates. <laughs> Way too into it. But, you know, they're like, they're bolted to stuff because they, they move, they, they shake around. So they can be bolted in like two or three different places, which means that it's hard to fit the clothes around them because it's not like you can just pull it on over them. But these mannequin makers, they're all in. I'm sorry, I don't have one. Is that what it is like? <laughs> I mean, nailed it, really. Just for you two in the morning? Yeah, you're just, you're just like, oh. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm constantly oh. bolted to stuff. And yeah. people are like, when your clothes don't fit. They don't, people don't Alice, people Alice don't pops out. <laughs> we'll keep this in, we'll keep this in. I would love it if this was a real life issue where it was like, you have to choose. Do you want to wear clothes? Or do you want to have a dick? Mm. You've, you've got those choices. This is what humans deal with every day. Now. Yeah, I know. I read the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this is the basic of, of how they're uh, they're building this. They build this amazing ride out of this. And that will forever be my favorite part. But October uh, 31st, 1966, first boats go through. But it's 1967. Spooky. Yeah, I know. This was a, a, a weird day. release. Then April 19th, they have the actual Pirates of the Caribbean debut to the press. You know, general swashbuckling and again, kidnapping women. This is part of the display, but now they've got real people. They, they want to kidnap everybody. It's a oh, lot. It God. becomes the oh, most popular God. ride. And if you've ever written it, it really is a like a transporting experience. They have fireflies go in. Like when you go in, like they have the smell of just like you being next to like a body of water. And I know we, we mentioned dark rides and uh, I guess, I guess we should kind of like go into a little bit more, but a dark ride is an indoor amusement ride on which passengers board guided vehicles and travel through specially lit scenes with animatronics and special effects. So it's like the most immersive kind of experience you can have. They really try to immerse you into a very fanciful idea of pirates and everything, but it's fun. There are cannons exploding around you. They get the smells right. They get get the, the atmosphere right. If you look into the sky, they've painted the ceiling so it looks like clouds and lights are set up so it looks like they're traveling past you. It's a really cool experience and they immediately are just like we have something here and when they open up disney world there's practical riots because they were like oh florida's near the caribbean this isn't going to be cool and mysterious for them and people are like fuck you where's the pirate (laughs) ride give me the pirates now i want to buy a lady (laughs) oh god I just want to chase her around for a while. <laughs> they don't mention this in any of the Disney history, but there was a time you could have bought a lady in the gift shop after the ride. <laughs> I just got a stupid hoodie. <laughs> I did have a Pirates of the Caribbean ride hoodie. Me and my friends all bought matching ones in high school when we went. No, the problem is they put it at the end. So you just buy that $17 churro when you've got like nothing oh, left yeah. at the end. I think probably like one of the most, like the coolest things about the ride to me is kind of lame, but it, it's so simple, but it's, it's just, it just really like brings the energy up, which is there's a surprise little drop yes. sort of at yeah. the beginning. That's all. And you're just like, Whoa! <laughs> you know, and like, it's, it's little and it's not that scary, but because you're not expecting it, then you're like, oh, I'm here now. I, I do love that part. Cause the ride kind of tricks you into thinking it's a ride rather than a show. It's just like, boom, you're dropping. And you're like, where are the other drops going to come from? And they don't arrive. Yeah. And then you're like, huh. <laughs> I feel like there is one more. I think there is, but I, I can't, I like towards the end or something, maybe, maybe in the middle. There might be, but there's no just like giant, like splash yes, mountain right. kind of experience at the very end. It's just like, you're going, Absolutely you drop not. like a little dip twice and then they're like, mm-hmm. goodbye. And you're like, and you leave happy, but also it's a little of a blue balls kind of experience. <laughs> That's what I was saying the first time I went when I was six years old. Yeah, Little Maggie just got <laughs> off. It was just like total blues blue balls. balls. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. I was expecting more of a, a 
adrenaline rush, mother. <laughs> wait, wait, was that your voice as a child? Were you like a <laughs> like <No>. Audrey Hepburn? <laughs> yeah, it's actually it's my voice now, but I, I I went through lots of speech therapy to sound how I do now. But really, inside it's this. <laughs> yeah, just try not to sound like Martin Prince from The Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm trying to do like a Sheldon from whatever that show is. <laughs> young Sheldon, yes. Yes, a young Sheldon, old Sheldon. What's the difference, people? It's Sheldon. Classic Sheldon. So we're let's let's get back to 1997 now when they di- decide to redo this a bit. And uh, the thing is, animatronics are still expensive, but uh, General Motors World of Motion closes, so they buy the animatronics from their first traffic accident scene and use these. What? Yeah, they use these to rebuild it. And this is when they uh, redo the section where they're now chasing women for food that they're carrying. I just learned. <laughs> Oh, not just women for food. Yeah, this is a revelation for all of us. Great. Uh, And then, of course, they redo it again in 2006 after the movies come out. And they actually get the actors from the films to come and voice some of these characters. And they they add this new uh, dimension to it. 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. visiting Indeed each month according to Comscore. Total visits. So it's clear Indeed can help you get the quality hire you need. And that's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job posts, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Yeah, this is a revelation for all of us. Uh, And then, of course, they redo it again in 2006 after the movies come out and they actually get the actors from the films to come and voice some of these characters and they they add this new uh, dimension to it. Let's get into it. The ride, biggest hit in Disneyland, Disney World. People love this ride. So when the time comes, they're like, let's option this into a film. And basically, the idea would be, what kind of fucking movie do you think is here? Right. And they, I mean, this is a thing that keeps happening. Like, remember when, when they did Battleship, the movie? And the whole thing was, yes. was just battleships, except at the end, they lay out a grid to defeat them because they have to tie it in. And I was like, guys, you can just make a movie about pirates. That's fine. This doesn't have to be a thing. Yeah, I agree. I was, yeah, I think it's a slam dunk. Like, this is a perfect ride to do that for. And I think it's really like, I, I think the first Pirates of the Caribbean film is 
one of the best films like of my lifetime. It is such a tight script. It is so good. The music is amazing. The performances are amazing. The direction is incredible. And the little tie-ins to the ride are so subtle that I didn't notice them until I went on it again as an adult. And I was like, this is from the movie. I get it. Oh my God. That's a good point. This is one where they actually do manage to have some, I mean, it's it's a standalone pirate movie, but they find good connections. Everything is, is just a wink and a nod. And I feel yeah. like this is one of the few that actually does it well. They do find a way to make this a real connection. Yeah, they they actually did great job connecting the ride and the movie. Like it, to take it to the fact that there's a scene in the ride where it's just like a skeleton steering a boat. And like, it's supposed to just be like creepy imagery on the ride. And like the screenwriters, God bless them, saw that and was just like, ah, oh, skeleton pirates. Cool, cool. Let's yeah. do that. <laughs> this is a movie about skeleton pirates now. And then like their next thought was, okay, every pirate movie is about searching for treasure. And then they were like, what if we did the reverse? What if they're trying to return treasure? Mm. And like Mm. just those two things, ingenious. So good. That I mean, it is so, it is so, so, so tight. I mean, I could rave about it for the rest of the podcast. We're going to rave about this first movie because this first movie is practically perfect. Yes. If you even look at just the script itself, the character of Jack Sparrow is not who he is in the film. Like he is supposed to be a somewhat competent like pirate that just kind of like going along. But is he, he like they, they approach it more like a like a James Bond kind of character in the script. Johnny Depp comes in and we'll get to Johnny Depp later, but he comes in yeah. and he's like, what if I just play him as a fucking rock star? And it worked. <laughs> like the character oozed charisma. It just came out through every pore in the guy's body. It's a perfect film. You got Geoffrey Rush as Barbosa, who is so fun. He chews the scenery so much that you would think that he was actually one of those pirates chasing the women holding food in the <laughs> ride. Like it's, an apple. It's amazing. No, they, they really do a fantastic job. And I think it built a world so well where this is is completely immersive and you've got characters that you can believe in, you've got characters that, that balance each other. And you can see why it, it went on to, to build more because you wanted more of this world. And I feel like they really did a fantastic job in that first one of creating something where you're like, there's there's so much depth in every part of it. Yeah, and before we get into the the here's where it went wrong of it all. Yeah. And I know you guys will mm-hmm. probably argue with me. Don't. I like. Don't, don't say it. Pirates of the Caribbean <laughs> 2 and 3. <laughs> I like them. I knew it. I saw it coming from a mile away. If you watch them all back to back to back. Which I did (laughs) this week. I did it in quarantine. Like at the beginning of quarantine, I was just like, I strapped myself in and I was like, I have nowhere else to go. And me and my wife, Ashlyn, spent three nights. Boom, boom, boom. And each time I was like, this is why they make films. (laughs) Okay, so when I'm going to stop you right there because my answer for where it all went wrong is them trilogizing it. And that's a moot point now because we have, like, I'm sure some of our listeners are probably like, how many Pirates films are there? Because I was. Right. I was like, how many are there? We're about to be at six. So they trilogized it into three for absolutely no reason except for money. We all know that's the reason. And then there's five, four, five, and now six coming up. I am somewhere between you guys. I could enjoy Pirates 2 and 3 when they were on. Well, me too. Yeah, but yeah. that was that was about it. It was four and five was where it really got into trouble. I, I could mm-hmm. see the when you watch them in a row, the idea of, oh, it builds and it's still the world, except for the fact that I get tired of it too quickly because I still keep comparing oh, yeah. to how good one was. Do you know what they're doing? Is there, it, first of all, when I discovered that it was the same screenwriters for one, two, and three, and four and five, and six, which is insane. <laughs> I was shook to my core because the second and third one read to me as though they were like, this perfect pair of screenwriters wrote this movie. Can you try? And they were like, uh, we'll just do the exact same thing that people did before us. But it's the same It's the same two guys who've written so many of my favorite films that are so formative for me as a child. Shrek, Aladdin, Road to El Dorado. Like they wrote these films. Pirates 1, which is one of my all-time favorite movies. I saw that movie in theaters 12 times. 
12. Wow. <laughs> yes. There is kind of an excuse for this because I was living in Bahrain at the time, which is a very small country in the Middle East. And there's only a few movies that come out every year. <laughs> and so it was in theaters for a full year. So I went like for fun a bunch of times, but then people would have their birthday parties and go see a movie and it would always be pirates. But I was obsessed with it. I had like a Jack Sparrow costume. I was obsessed with the second one. I had the chest. I had like a box that was the chest that's uh, Davy Jones heart goes in it was like a whole obsession for me i love these first three movies i went to the midnight premieres of the second two davy jones to this day one of the most impressive cgi characters yeah. ever made the fact that you can put those fact. in movies now and davy jones in 2006 looks better than almost any digital effect that has come out in the past 14 years like, people say, like, Thanos is so impressive. Look at Davy Jones. There's water. He's lighting a pipe and stuff with his tentacles, and it's all close-ups in the middle of the day. <laughs> like, usually you hide that shit in smoke and darkness. They put him in daylight, and they just say, look at him, motherfucker. Look at him in his eyes. You can see his <laughs> eyes. You can see him get sad when someone hurts his feelings. <laughs> That's so impressive. And you know why? It's because... Gore Verbinski, who directed these first three movies, like started in special effects, which means he planned every shot in advance to know where the special effects in this shot are going to go and how to light the scene properly so that special effects would merge well with the real live sets he was shooting on. Now, compared to something like that movie Doolittle that came out with Robert Downey Jr., that movie, the director did not plan any of those visual effects, and the visual effects artist had to fight him and be like, I can't put a polar bear on the screen. You didn't leave room for me to put a polar bear on the screen. Right. Like, that's how regular directors shoot. They're just like, oh, the special effects guys will add in the cool stuff later. Not Gore. Not Gore Verbinski. He planned every shot of the entire film to have the special effects not only be there, but look amazing when they were added. And that is why I'm going to say these first three movies are so incredibly put together. And I have not even talking about the score yet because the <laughs> score is one of the best film scores of all time. It's, I, I would say it's probably the last iconic film score where every time a character has their own theme and you hear that theme and you're like oh that's that character tell me what you hear when you think of thor exactly <laughs> i got fucking nothing for thor i felt nothing yeah. The song Up is Down from the third one, because I also, I have all the soundtracks. I've got them memorized, baby. They're in my bone marrow. There's, they're, they're rushing through my veins. The song in the third one, when they're flipping the boat upside down, is one of the best film scorer songs of all time. I'm a nerd. I will work to film scores, and the Pirates film scores <laughs> yes. are incredible. Yes. Ugh. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. It's just, to me, comes down to story. Fair. Fair. And I'm a moron. Comes down, to, comes down on to story, baby. And we're going to, let's, 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 let's see here. They turned it into a trilogy. And the question is, why? Well, we know why. It's because of, it's because yeah. of money. We know that they did it because of money. They want money. All of the people want the money. But it's like, these people were like, okay, great. We've done this first film. It ties us up with a bow. It's beautiful. Now we're going to dive deeper into this and see more behind the curtain of all this craziness. And it is just repetitive. The characters are not compelling anymore. Like they completely change without warrant. It feels like to me, like I'm like, okay, Elizabeth has swords now. Like I want her to have swords, but like what, when did she learn that? She mentions that Will taught her. <laughs> I will say I was such a nerd. I like read the stories of which characters are best with swords in order. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's like how I knew. Like I read like, and, like that's not like an official thing, but I just read so much parts of the Caribbean stuff that for some reason I found a sword ability hierarchy list. Incredible. <laughs> Break it down. Break it down. Yeah, okay. So, god damn it i'm doing this so will was number one will was the most talented swordsman after him it was norrington okay so after norrington it's jack sparrow after jack sparrow it's davy jones who's a worse swordsman but he can't die okay so the, if that's factored in right what are the metrics used here i'm i don't know like i said this wasn't I know. official I, I, feel, I, I need a chart for this but anyway so the trilogy happens and it's good 
Okay, we'll, well, we'll give you good. We can fight about whether or not they're amazing or perfect or lives up to the first one. But you can watch those three movies and be like, that was fun. I had a great time doing that. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm solid on good. So where did it go wrong? Here's where it <laughs> went wrong. For some reason, someone got in their heads that the main character is and should forever be Jack Sparrow. Right. And I'm sorry, but that is insane. This is supposed to be an absurd character. Also, one thing that always bothered me was in the first one or in one of the early ones, someone asked, why is Jack like that? And they respond with, it's not about why. And that's accepted as the answer. The question was why. That was entirely what it was about. What? Who's they? Who's like you're saying like the screenwriters? No, no. One of the characters in the film, I think it was Elizabeth, uh, as says, why is Jack like that? Oh. And uh, with the, the first mate says, it's not about why. I was like, no, why? Why feels like a good question here. This is not a normal way to behave. <laughs> I remember bringing it up to a friend and they quoted his line. They said, it's not about why. And I was like, that's not an answer at all. <laughs> I feel like we, no. can, we should get so to know why. Yes. That's the thing. He's a side character. He right. is. He's like the kooky comic relief. He is like a deus ex machina. He comes in he just does his little thing and then he's supposed to fuck off right because that's how the character is designed would you watch a movie called genie no <laughs> that would become so grating after a little bit <laughs> and it did so it goes off the rails when they focus entirely on jack sparrow we're going to especially focus on the fifth film dead men tell no tales by the way just a, a side note that i love here since we're tying in the ride when they built this ride in tokyo there wasn't a translation for dead men tell no tales, which is a line that you hear when you enter it. And they translate it to dead men don't have mouths. <laughs> what? That doesn't, yes, they do. <laughs> but they do. Exactly. So they had to talk to them and say, okay, we, we can't say that because they do. So they, they change it to this kind of general, vague, abandon all hope kind of phrase instead because like no they they have mouths we that, that makes zero sense there's got to be a way to translate when you're dead you can't tell stories anymore that i'm sorry there's got to be like there's gotta be a way <laughs> i felt exactly the same way it. and then they start the fifth film and before the title screen they have captain zalagzar come on and say uh that you've got to relay this message for me i'm leaving you alive because he could, might as well have turned to the camera and said, dead men tell no tales. And it was like, this is one of those scenes where you nudge your partner and say, that's the name of the film. And they immediately break up with you. It was. <laughs> <laughs> did that, did that happen to you? <laughs> I mean, I feel like I do it every time it happens. So far, she's with me. Were but... you watching Lord of the Rings? And he was like, between the two right. towers. And she was like, oh no. Yeah. So. I'm going. <laughs> so Salazar says this, and it's like, that is not what it means because you're talking right now. So let, let's start to explain the, the, the <laughs> plot here. The, yeah, the, death, the whole thing with death in them is insane. They're like, Barbosa is back, but we have to go get Jack, but we can't save Elizabeth's dad because he's at peace. And it's like, what are the, what? I know. What it's, are the it's rules? so convoluted. I want to go back into Gore Verbinski, like I said earlier, mm, directed those daddy. first three. And they look amazing. <laughs> Everything looks like it was shot on location. Everything has depth. Okay, if you watch four and five, like originally I was just like, oh, these were cheap cash ins that they did. Four was the most expensive movie ever made no. at the time. And it's the wow. cheapest movie I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. And also five looks insanely cheap. Oh, I'm, I'm going to be insanely nitpicky over this one because the estimations are 230 to 320 million dollars on this. They built a world. They set the date in 1751 and the historical inaccuracies are rampant. And I'm going to pull back on some, <laughs> yes! some of the ones that I feel like I, I get it up until 1747, the British Navy Maybe didn't actually have uniforms. I get why they gave them uniforms in the earlier movies. They wanted to create a vibe. I'm okay with that. What I'm not okay with is the stuff where, like, you could have just Googled it and found out this didn't exist yet. Oh, no. What are they? I can't wait for this. God. Andrew, please. Yes. Here it comes. Here Go it comes. Off. Okay. Let's start with, this. it was so random. They're going to kill Jack at one point and they're going to use the guillotine. They said it's a new invention by the French. The guillotine has not been invented yet by the French. There are precursors. Oh, the term guillotine doesn't come out for another almost 40 years. And <laughs> Jack says, oh, I love the French. They invented mayonnaise, which they hadn't done yet. <laughs> <laughs> he could have 
have said another thing. It didn't have to be mayonnaise. The French invented so much. Yeah. Pissing. <laughs> there is, is so tongues. much stuff. So look, I'm going to go these as we hit different points, because honestly, I can do the whole podcast on this. You can do that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's start explaining the actual plot of the story here. So basically, what we want to get into, it feels like this movie, somebody told them beforehand, hey, guys, Jack doesn't work as a main character. People like having Will and Elizabeth, the two main characters from the first three movies around. So they shot literally what has to have been three minutes of total footage of those characters to put them into this film. It's like that they like shot the whole movie, realized that Orlando Bloom and Kira Knightley like had an afternoon free, shot some stuff with them and just spliced them in throughout. They're not factors in this movie, but we find out that Will's son, Henry, uh, who is going to become the main character, is trying to free his dad from the Davy Jones curse that he got at the end of the third movie. Uh, he has all like the barnacles and stuff on his face. This should only be done, according to the lore of the movies, if he stopped doing his job, which he's doing. So we're breaking that It rule. basically felt like he was just super depressed and stopped taking care of himself. Like when you yeah. see a guy is like, oh, you haven't shaved in like two weeks, bud. It was that kind of thing. But again, this was not the lore you set up. Oh, I hate when, when writers break their own rules. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> Dude only gets laid once every 10 years. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I understand the depression yeah. Yeah. in that regard. And he can't make his swords no more. <laughs> he loves them. He does love those swords. It's a big plot point that yeah. he fucking He loves, loves his swords. <laughs> so his son becomes obsessed with the idea of freeing his dad which can only be done with the trident of Poseidon. God, I hate this movie. This is where they do the thing that basically they did in Fast and the Furious 2, where the first one, it was like, we're going to drive some cars and steal some stuff. And the first one, it was like, we're going to sail some boats and steal some stuff. And by the fifth one, they were like, <laughs> we're going to rob God. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> And the escalation is insane. Is so <laughs> and no no better for women. Every single no. time, every single time, no matter how many years pass, they're always just like, take off your clothes. <laughs> every time. It's like, what? Every movie has like a very horny pirates thing that they're implying that they're going to rape a woman. And it's like, you don't have to do that joke every film you don't have to do it ever and also sometimes it's not the pirates it's just the world it's awful it's awful like if you're gonna be historically accurate don't put mayonnaise in your film and there were more women like they were there fuckers and also <laughs> like, women pirates by the way actually is historically accurate they, it's a they, huge thing yeah they can fit this in historically in powerful roles like they originally did with elizabeth but as soon as she leaves they stop doing that for the most yeah. part they, they have one here karina smith who they actually introduce as an intelligent woman and because of that she's called a witch now we know from our previous episode they're not doing that at this time this is after the witch trials in fact 1735 they passed the law in england saying that you can't call someone a witch or claim they've done a witchcraft you in fact can be punished up to a year in prison and they're on an island saint martin which again inaccuracy was actually owned by the french and dutch north half french south half dutch wait that's a big one it is do they say saint martin in the film they do and the british had a port there but they make it British owned, which would suggest that the laws apply there, which would suggest they can't hang anyone for being a witch. Yeah, that's actually a really huge. Just pick another island, my dude. Yeah, there, there were so many options. The British were everywhere at this point. They're still down there. Yeah, <laughs> they are all over. Grand Cayman. Yeah, they, they've got everything. They've got everything. There was no reason to pick this island. In fact, the other port that they use in a number of the movies was destroyed. They use this as a base in a number of the films, but it was never rebuilt properly. Oh, Port Royale. That's the one. Thank you. Was, was destroyed. It wasn't rebuilt uh, properly. I mean, they kept trying, but it didn't work. So Karina Smith is our intelligent character here. She's she's wonderful. She's an astronomer. I always like when they have a strong uh, woman character, although I never think they do it correctly because they always try and be like, look, it's a strong woman instead of just letting her be that. It's because the assumption is that the rest of them aren't. Exactly. So that's why strong female characters are garbage. Ugh. Right. So it always just makes you slightly angry. It's like, I want to just root for her, but we can tell their subtext. Oh, that, that's actually a great way of putting that it is so karina when we're introduced to her is she's being asked to confess and she uses her confession for an exposition dump <laughs> she confesses she's not a witch she's a woman of science she survived on her own with only a diary from her father that she never knew and she is on a quest for the truth of who she is these are all quotes this is what she says when she's asked for a confession for witchcraft i'm on a quest <laughs> <laughs> 
this was a, a 30 second exposition dump where the guy had to be like, cool. Do you, do you not know what confession means? <laughs> <laughs> so, so there's a big escape scene as there always are in these films. There's always a giant, cool opening escape. And this is a bad one. This one is not fun. They managed to save her. They save Jack. Will Turner's son is also there. They all make their getaway. <laughs> there were actually two escapes. This this first one was an absolute mess. The only reason I'm going back to just getting forward to this was because the all the inaccuracies were in the middle. First, she goes to try to buy a chronometer, which we know from our Titanic episode also didn't exist yet. <laughs> They were still using dog magic at the time, I believe. Right. And in this in the six years later, when it would exist, you couldn't just go and buy one. But the place she goes to buy it has a giant telescope. And the man says no woman has ever touched his Herschel. He could say telescope because telescopes existed. The Herschel telescope didn't exist for another 20 years. Wow. And also, it wasn't called the Herschel. It was one telescope. In fact, the one that the 40-foot one wasn't for like another 40 years. So they just they someone Googled what are some telescopes called, and they put the word in, <laughs> and it was completely out of frame. This is then we get to the part where they're all uh, held together. They get in incorrect the time period of the guillotine, the mayonnaise, and basically everything else also the laws of physics during their escape everything is wrong with this but as when said a massive dramatic escape where the best part uh, again is just the theme song it's fantastic every time it plays but that's it it's so good it's so good it, it, it's a pavlovian response that i thought i was having fun and then i remembered <laughs> that this movie was bad right do you guys remember when the Mythbusters did an episode about pirates? No, what happened? They did one with uh, when in the first one when that super dope plan of Will and Jack Sparrow are hiding under the boat and then they pop up and they go underwater and they hold the boat with the air under the water with them. Yeah, that's like super impossible. <laughs> like it's that had to have been impossible. They would have yeah. not floated up immediately. <laughs> yeah, it's so heavy. It's so heavy to keep that much air and that pressure. You would not be on the ground like down you'd be floating up super high so they do the escape and their their plan is to get poseidon's trident but at the same time the person that is coming after them is captain salazar who apparently it was a uh, a member of the royal navy of the spanish navy who has a vendetta against jack sparrow who is portrayed by johnny depp with like the de-aging like effects that they're able right. to do <sighs> So like Ugh, he looked, it was so uh, creepy. Awful. So like an action figure of of Jack Sparrow as a child, pretty much is what we're Ugh. we're looking at. You know, it was so weird. Was they didn't just make him young; they they made him look like Dobby. Like yeah. his thinness was all so disproportionate. Bad? It was how old are we supposed to think he is? Is is the bottom half of him a baby? Is that what's happening here? It was insane. They made him incredibly young, but also like did this thing where like he does a really cool and smart plan, and then you're just like, why is this Jack Sparrow not in the rest of the film? <laughs> Right. He is just an idiot now. In fact, the reason Salazar escapes, we, when we see him in the beginning and he does that dead men tell no tales line, he says he can only escape with Jack's compass. We think he needs to get the compass. It turns out if you betray the compass, your worst fear comes true. And his worst fear is Salazar coming back, even though he didn't know this was a possibility. So Salazar doesn't need to get the compass. All that has to happen is Johnny Depp has to trade it for alcohol. And suddenly, in the most anticlimactic scene, Salazar is just released and hunting them while they hunt the, the for the tribe. I feel like so many of these movies are them just going like, what else can we make this compass do? Like, the compass gets like a new ability in every movie. <laughs> I feel like that's why I start. I feel like it starts going wrong earlier than you do one. Because I feel like it's not just the compass. It's like everything from the first one feels like they're like, oh, guys, we did this really good like bit. Let's do the bit 7,000 more times. And, and like literally with bits, but also with the compass or like we're going to justify X, Y and Z. And it's like, I didn't have a question about that. In fact, you did a really good job coming up with the original story. Why don't you come up with another original story? <laughs> you know, instead of being like this compass. Uh, what do we got? Um, Let's bring someone back from the dead in a different way. Um, Let's have let's have their. Yeah, they're 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 undead ghost sailors but they're different because these ones look like a sea anemone instead of a skeleton <laughs> yeah yeah they go from being skeletons to like fish plant life beings to zombies uh and to being ghosts that were blown up so they're like missing parts of their faces like that's like that's like their big thing is like a ghost army and like here's the thing how do you waste waste 
Javier Bardem <laughs> like this. How? I agree. I agree. God. Like, how great was he in, like, Skyfall? Or, or No Country for Old Men. He's terrifying. And yet in this movie, he's so boring. <laughs> he is. And laughably unscary. Even his most intimidating scenes. Like, you could just say, tell you what, we're going to take off all of the CGI. Just let you go do whatever you want. It's going to be terrifying. But instead, everything they add to him just takes away from the character build. Andrew, I want you to hit me with more historical accuracies. I want to kind of jump around. But, like, there's not enough in this plot to make me go, like, we could spend a whole episode on this plot. It's just bad. Let's skip ahead to, like, Barbosa. then. We see him in his cabin. This is not how it's done. The, the captain of the cabin does not have a significantly nicer cabin. In fact, the captain of even a pirate ship is democratically elected and they get the same share as everyone else uh, the quartermaster decides it not them and so not only is this he's you know laced in gold but also he has a private three-piece orchestra playing for him a song that's not written for another 28 years no what song is it he's playing a, a song from mozart at this oh point mozart God. has not even been born <laughs> I, I love that they stuck a year on it just so you could be like, oh, yeah, motherfuckers, let's do this. I know. And they didn't say it in the film. I actually looked this up because apparently they did a, like a comic book of this story and they said 1751. And I thought, just no, bitch, let's go. I got this. So, <laughs> it was it was way too much. So they, they've got a lot. Obviously, the Jolly Roger is flown occasionally. This is the Skull and Crossbones flag, but also every pirate had their own flag. And also the merchant ships from England did not fly the Union Jack. This is, this is seen everywhere. It is it's just, again, you spent $300 million on this. Why would you not look some of this stuff up? I agree. I agree. Jack asks for, uh, he, he wakes up from a dream and says spaghetti wolf. The word spaghetti doesn't exist for another 100 years. <laughs> that one is my favorite by far. What? Also, can you imagine living in a hellscape where they don't have spaghetti yet? They, <laughs> Are I mean, you kidding me? I mean, it's it's Italy. They've got pasta, but that's another problem. They say Italy. The word Italy doesn't exist yet. Yeah. This is these are separate states. It's Italia, but it would very rarely be said then. And the coat of arms that they use, everything that they use in, in terms of, of of flags, in terms of decoration. Here's the thing with with pirates. In general, most of the pirate culture that we see in movies comes from 1950 uh, when they made Treasure Island and the portrayal of Long John Silver. That was it. Every pirate voice you hear after that, the R's, the accent, it came from that film. This was not a historical thing. There were things that are historically accurate, but debatable, like the, the eye patch is one that I find interesting because there's a lot of debate as to why this would actually be worn. And movies tend to skew towards these dramatic portrayals that cannon fire is a huge issue. Would splinters from cannon fire be easy to get splinters? But the thing is, whenever they're depicted, they're depicted with one eye. If it's splinters, you could easily lose both eyes. The other depiction is that you're quickly moving above and, and below deck from light to dark. If you have one eye prepared for dark, you can switch to battle quicker when you're looking at ships. These are two theories that are touted often, but neither is particularly likely. One that is incredibly more likely is just the fact that in order to get your bearings, you had to stare at the sun through a sextant. Oh no. You were going to lose your eyesight in one eye and you weren't going to do it in both eyes. This would make a lot more sense. And again, I'm okay with some of the stuff hyping up for drama, especially when we don't know for sure. We know pirates wore eye patches. We don't have an exact reason, but it was one of those things where this is really cool history to dig into. On the first one, you created the world. If, if you're not doing that anymore, if you're breaking all your own rules, why not go for some cool history stuff? Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's not about the fact that this is a fantastical world. It's about like adhering to the right. Exactly. And it's not like it's not like you and the you the viewer are watching this like, well, some people, you know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Andrew <laughs> are watching yeah. this going like, well, that's not right. Mozart's not born yet and like yeah, it just it just is really interesting like it, there's something really satisfying about when it is historically accurate you know like I'm not pissed that it's wrong it's just it, like when right. it's it's just better when it's right you know exactly and I I honestly would care a lot less if they said look we're going to make our world and we're going to stick to the rule like the same reason I have yeah. no problem with Superman being able to fly because you know what you said Superman can fly and he can always fly true You're stuck with it I'm cool with it it's here suddenly you gave us a date and then you got all of it wrong yeah, I, I love that. It seems like most of the issues are that they stole things from the future of that world. But I love that some yes. of them are in the past. It's like they couldn't even <laughs> like, right. they're like, I don't know, this is an old thing guillotine. I don't get, throw it in. Like, you know, like, 
so I love that. And like witches, like witches to me, actually, in hindsight, I didn't bump on it at all when I saw it in this in the movie. But now that you say that, I'm like, yeah, wait, no, that's like 200 plus years old. Like that's at that point. Like that's how they were doing that so long ago. The last hanging of a witch was 39 years before that. I believe. Yeah. And that's like, that's like late. Yeah. God, I love this podcast. I like listening to my yeah. own podcast. Like I'm a listener. Like I'm just like, man, Andrew's really on fire on this one. Oh, an interesting podcast. Right. So let's, let's get back to actually explaining some of the film here. They're going after the Trident. They've got Barbosa who is incorrectly dressed and has far more money than he should. And they are going after the Trident. Well, again, basically I want to explain the movie, but all I can think is it's the exact Exact same thing. There's a MacGuffin. They're going after it. Yeah. That's There's it. a ghost pirate or a supernatural mm-hmm. pirate that's chasing them. There's a love story, a strong woman. Yeah, there's a lo- strong woman and guy who is a Turner, I guess. <laughs> Baby Bill Turner. Right. We're also going to to tie in here that we find out that Karina is Barbosa's daughter. Mm. Which is done in like the most hack way of just like. It is. Here's one other thing that that just bothered me randomly. They discover this because (laughs) she has, uh, she says her name is Karina. He has a tattoo of, uh, of, of Karina on his arm. She says it's named after the brightest star. It is not a brightest star. It's a constellation that you can't even see in the Northern Hemisphere most of the time. Yeah, wait. I was like, wait, wait, wait. That one doesn't make sense. Yeah. Exactly. So she sees Barbosa's tattoo and she's like, oh my God, he's my dad. The only thing she has from him is this diary, which is Galileo's diary, but is referencing this trident. And this one just bothered me because Galileo was all science. Yeah. I mean, obviously we know the and yet it moves line was apocryphal most likely didn't happen because they would have killed him but he was science and instead they have him on the hunt for the trident it bothered me like if it was like um a sci-fi kind of a plot i'd be like "Ooh, that's a cool conspiracy but it's about a sea god <laughs> like that's just not i don't associate there was no need for yeah it. i don't know there's like someone else you could have chosen besides galileo right and they said it and basically said because he invented the telescope and it was like i mean yeah, basically he made it better. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm okay giving him that part. It was yeah. just, it was one of those, let's just shoehorn in absolutely everything we can here. Here's a name that we know. We want to compare her to someone very smart. We've got Galileo's diary, which apparently Barbosa stole off a ship. So he figures out she's his daughter. And it lasts for like 20 seconds before he dies. It was like, did who, who was this for? I don't know. Feels like a first draft. Well, here's the thing. They wanted to have Barbosa in the movie and Geoffrey Rush was just like, I'm not doing these anymore. So they're like, let's put in stakes so that he could sacrifice himself. And like, it just, I don't care anymore. Barbosa was like a scene chewing villain. I don't want him to have a redemption arc with his long lost daughter who has introduced this film. Yeah, this just so recently. If he had just said earlier, like, I don't have my daughter or anything like that or anything, anything before. Like, if it was introduced before. And also, I don't like the fact that this is Will's adult son. It just like, he's like 20 or something now. And it's just like, that ages all the characters. Why did the characters not age 20 years? Like, it's such an insane thing that drives me nuts. When Barbosa realizes she's his daughter, Jack is tied up on the ship and overhears this. And her name is Karina Smith. S-M-Y-T-H. And he says, Smith, that's an unusual name. Piecing together that who her mom was. He's never seen it written. S-M-Y-T-H is a bit uncommon of a spelling in England during this time period. But Smith has been around as a long time because anyone who was a Smith. In fact, he uses it as an, in the first one right away, he says his name is Smith. He pretends. (laughs) What a dumb thing to pretend. So they find Poseidon's trident. There's a big battle. Barbosa sacrifices himself. Jack breaks the trident, releasing all the curses of the sea. So there's now no magic, which, fine, I get it. I mean, you introduced another god of the sea a few movies ago, and now we're like, no, but this is the real god of the sea. But who, okay, fine, I don't care. I stopped caring. <laughs> he breaks the trident, all the curses are done. Uh, Will and Elizabeth run to each other on a seashore and kiss and you're like oh yeah them from the movies I liked before they even play the, their <laughs> lovers theme from the earlier movies and I'm like this is just you trying to emotionally manipulate me and I'm not falling for it again Yeah. and then the yeah. movie ends there's fucking credits 
there's a post credit scene of uh, Will and Elizabeth waking up in bed and Davy Jones is there all of a sudden. And then it just cuts to <laughs> black and you're like, what the fuck was that setting up for? Why? Why? <laughs> it was like, we're letting you know we're going to make you do this again. They did the whole setup for this movie. The whole promotions was that it's the last Pirates movie. I know. Why did it have a post credit stinger for Insane. a sequel where you're saying the, the uh. villain in the new one is the villain from the old one? <laughs> One. Basically, they're telling us to go watch the third movie again. That that is all that accomplished. Oh, oh it makes me so tired because the first movie, and you could argue the second and third as well. Like they're so good. You did like you did it. You made it. it it's so beautiful. And it this franchise dies for me in the saddest way, which is not with the bang with the whimper. It's so slowly. I told you guys, I saw that movie 12 times in theaters, right? I had like hoodies and I had a bunch of shit. I had all that shit for that movie because I loved it so much. And I didn't even see the fifth one. I was like, oh, there's a fifth one. I don't know. You know, like me, like <laughs> right. who, who loved it, who saw your movie that many times. Like it just, it, you're just tr- squeezing my emotions. Like one was saying, emotionally manipulating me, repeating and repeating over and over again trying to take my money and it just slowly deteriorates in just the death of art. I mean, it's just, it's just crazy because, you know, Gore Verbinski, I keep, I, I, I'm shouting him out so much because these, those first three movies look so good. And these set in these last two, the fourth and the fifth look so incredibly cheap while being some of the most expensive films ever made. Like, they they like built these entire sets and whatnot for them rather than shooting on location and it just looks like someone built all these sets it looks yeah. so cheap i can see the plywood i see the screws i see the intern who's just trying to touch up the building on this i just don't like how cheap it looks and johnny depp is clearly phoning it in these last two movies to the point that he actually had an earpiece where somebody was reading him his lines in the fifth one apparently <laughs> Ooh no i remember seeing the thing where he pays him like two hundred thousand dollars to yell nonsense in his ear so he could act more purely. What? <laughs> he kept feeding him the lines too. Allegedly, he had an earpiece where somebody was feeding him the dialogue oh as my he God. went. And I have no problem believing that because he's so clearly over it. Yeah. yeah. They, they, there's like a weird theme in the fifth one of Jack being a washed up alcoholic. And I'm just like, yikes. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now he's probably not going to be in the sixth one. You see that they're taking him off, most likely. Yeah, I see they're probably doing Margot Robbie in there. I didn't see that. I saw that they might do like a prequel. Yeah, Margot Robbie's in talks to do the new Pirates of the Caribbean. But if we're going to focus on the movies that already do exist and are there, I just want to say one thing. The fact that these movies fell off the rail so bad, it has affected the ride itself. We're going back to the very <laughs> beginning. They added Johnny Depp to the ride. And now knowing the history of Johnny Depp and all of his struggles and all of his his things that he's done and his court battles that he's going through, I'm not saying that I can make a legal determination of guilty or not guilty, but he is all throughout the ride, okay? Could you imagine if you got on It's a Small World and O.J. Simpson just pops up every few scenes? <laughs> yeah, you get to France and like it's like Louis C.K. and he's like, hey! Yeah. <laughs> I don't want him here. I I got on this ride for escapism and you're putting this guy in my face and I don't like it anymore. Man. I mean, at first, obviously way pre before realizing that he's this terrible person, it looks like. We uh, know Johnny Depp to be litigious. So I really appreciate the way we're counting these terms, but all very much agree that this was that putting him in has taken away so much here. And uh, we very much enjoyed seeing him go from this next I'm, one. I'm not saying, I'm not saying he did it. I'm saying how it <laughs> makes me feel. Okay. Exactly. That, that's how I'm going to crouch this. And we cannot be sued over that. He's apparently not going to do the, the new pirates. He got kicked off of the new fantastic beast movie, which is the next episode I would like to do with you guys. Yes, of course. Oh yeah. We could definitely do the <laughs> Harry Potter. We're going to do Harry Potter. We're going to do that something. right now, but <laughs> and take a break and back. They're back. going to replace it with Mads Mickelson, who is insanely mm. fuckable. Oh, oh my God. So he's so beautiful. One, yeah. You know, he's the wax figure of a pirate that I would definitely put a penis on. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing it back. 
that's callbacks. That's why we get mm. pros in here. Mm. This is why we God. get pros on this podcast. This is how we treat you guys. I want that to become a line so bad. When when someone is fuckable, that's the new. I would. Well, now that's an animatronic. I would put a penis on. <laughs> there we go. God, but yeah, Mads Mikkelsen's apparently no. going to replace him as Grindelwald. Allegedly, he's like on the top of the list of what they're like circling around. And once again, mwah, Chef's Kiss, beautiful casting. But yeah, the Pirates of the Caribbean movies are just fantastic films. They got railed into the ground and then they put those bad aspects into the ride. So now the ride is not only problematic because of like pirates were rapists, but it's problematic because like you have a guy accused of really bad things who just pops out of a barrel every now and then and waves at you. And you're like, well, I don't need him here. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm -mm. And right after that drop, too, you've already had a drop. <laughs> <laughs> so this is where it went wrong with the Pirates of the Caribbean ride films. However, we do have a section in this called In Their Defense, where one of us has to defend the indefensible. Now, guests usually get first crack at this. Maggie, do you want to try to defend this or do you want to defer? To defend what element of this? Uh, the last two Pirates of the Caribbean movies. I will. I will say Kaya Scodelero, who plays Karina, is incredible. And I'm glad that she's working and that she has a big franchise and she deserves it. Fair. I will actually be okay with that. Yeah, mm -hmm. no, that feels reasonable. She, I mean, especially given the role that, that she was here where she added some depth to it in an incredibly shallow movie. And I watched it and thought, oh, I'd like to see her in more stuff. I'm glad she has the opportunity. Effie from Skins, watch Skins. She's really messed up in that show. But apparently insanely good. So we can pull one actor out and say she did a great job. And you know what? She got a paycheck. She was in a movie that was seen the world over by some people. I watched this later as a rental. She got the paycheck. She was seen the world over. And you know what? Hopefully they find a place for her in the franchise moving forward. So I'm, I'm okay with that. I think that's a solid in their defense. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I'm surprised because we have discussed some horrible stuff. But this was one of the hardest in their defense because there was nothing you could point to where it's like, oh, but at, le at least this other than, than her, it was just everything felt like it was taking away from something good. That was a hard one. It definitely seems like I'm going to say this and, and then this will be my last big piece on it. The last two Pirates of the Caribbean movies feel like fan fiction of the first three Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> in fact, I have a yes. quote. Oh my God, I want to find it. I was looking on my work laptop about like this quote. Here it is. I found it. Okay. The filmmakers cited the series first installment, The Curse of the Black Pearl, as inspiration for the script and tone of the film. <laughs> so it was fan fiction. That is in Dead Man Tell No Tales, which is the most recent one. And it's like, yeah that's wait insane. yeah no we that's what it is that's what a, a sequel is always i just love that they're like one of their big points was like did you see the first pirates of the caribbean yeah <laughs> um i would say it's like a big inspiration uh for this one so that's where we're at guys we gotta go watch that movie that's insane to like try to be like okay i think what we want this to feel like is if it was a sequel to pirates of the caribbean <laughs> yes, yes! <laughs> the filmmakers cited the series first installment as inspiration for the script and tone of the film what <laughs> that is insane i have never heard that. that one that's just defining what sequels are that is incredible and y'all want to know the most fucked up thing if there's a six Pirates of the Caribbean, I'm going to watch it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> I like pirate movies. If there's a Western that comes out, I'm going to go see it. I like Westerns, okay? Not everything can be a superhero movie, okay? <laughs> I have my diet full of superhero movies. I want other big blockbusters. And if you're telling me that there's going to be a six Pirates of the Caribbean where they're like, clean slate, here's like all the fun stuff that you like before, but like without all the stuff that kind of makes you feel icky, I'm going to watch it because I love swashbuckling. I honestly felt like I had an easier time defending the actual sinking of the Titanic than this film. <laughs> that, that one was not that challenging. Jack Sparrow should not be a main character. It's just, it's oh, relaxed. it's so sad. So hard. That was a reasonable point was that, you know what? I'm going to see it. I am. I'm not going to feel good about myself but I'm going to watch it. <laughs> I'm a huge hypocrite. I will see the sixth one. Disney, expect $11 in 2025. <laughs> 
Well, I think that covers it. We covered the good in the actual Pirates of the Caribbean ride, the good in the first movie, and depending on who you ask, the first three movies. Me or Maggie, depending on who you ask. <laughs> if you ask me, it's one. And uh, then where it went so terribly wrong in Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales, the fifth movie, and all of the historical accuracies, which I hope you all felt my rage over that. It was absolutely uncalled for, but it was there. There's been more furious anger in this podcast episode <laughs> than like all the ones on murder and like defraudment of the government government and people we covered the witch trial actual murders and it was like okay but (laughs) and this one it was like no but like did they make me feel like bored (laughs) by pirates (laughs) no absolutely god this one was fun it was was maggie did you have a good time i had a great time damn straight that's what we like to hear (laughs) Yes, I I had a great time. I just, boy, can't wait for that sixth pirate movie. I know, we're going to bring you back for that one. No, I hopefully then it's where it went right. Yeah. (laughs) Where it went right. The sixth pirate, the best. (laughs) Yes, Maggie, thank you so much for joining us. Maggie Smith, a cast member of The Quest We Can Do and a writer-performer for Make It Up Media. She is absolutely fantastic. Thanks for joining us. Of course. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, if you like hearing us rant, if you like hearing us rave, if you like everyone on a Zoom call staring at me like I'm insane because I'm making wild hand gestures that none of you at (laughs) home can see, please like, subscribe, leave a review, five stars it. If you don't want to do those things, don't do the alternative of writing a bad review or fewer (laughs) stars. We really appreciate you listening. Please come back next week. We're going to have a good time. Maggie, thanks for joining us. And Andrew, see you next week, man. This is always the best part of my week. Always mine too. Thank you very much, both of you. And yeah, I'll see you next week, Gwen. Bye. Bye. Bye.